Hi, my name is Elizabeth Debrito. I am from London, England, and I am the producer and founder of The Daffodil Perspective, the classical music radio show creating space for everyone to belong. Awesome. And I love the idea of your show. I want to totally dive into all of those things, but just to give everyone kind of a baseline and a little background of your experiences and where you're coming from, what kind of got you started in music in the first place? So originally, way back when, I don't even really remember. I was seven when I started playing the piano and I was 10 when I started playing the clarinet and they had a sort of tryout try out music day for wind, all the wind instruments. And I went and tried them all out and I picked the clarinet and basically continued on from there. How old were you when you uh, kind of started the clarinet? 10. 10, okay, excellent. So was that a school sort of thing that you did? Did you take any sort of lessons on the side or was it mainly like your school program that you were involved in? Yeah, so, so yeah, I always had lessons at, my state school and I did some couple of other like state sponsored music education bands and orchestras on the side Mm -hmm. as well as doing lots of school uh, activities and then in my final year of A-level I started having lessons outside of school and I went to junior Guildhall School of Music and Drama on Saturdays as well. Great. And uh, I was checking out your website and a little bit about you and like kind of the about section um, of this project. And in the first thing you kind of talk about when you start to talk about your background as a musician is you kind of talk about how you are a triracial person and you felt like you never really quite belonged in the world of classical music when you were growing up. So can you talk a little bit about that struggle that you had growing up in your relationship with classical music? Yes, so uh, I am, I'm very proud of mixed race. Uh, I was the only uh, mixed race, I was the only non-white student, uh, music student in my class at school I was the only non-white music student in all the pretty much all the music activities I was doing really um so I never felt like I belonged obviously I didn't I only learned white male composers I never learned any female composers I never learned any black male composers I never learned any Asian male composers so yeah never really felt like I fitted in um, that and I'm very working class, which in the UK um, is uh, still, class structure still alive and well. So I was surrounded by a lot of privilege, a lot of private school children. And like my parents are very state school teachers. They're very, very ordinary. Um, but um, so they sacrificed a lot for me to get just state school lessons. Um, so yeah, I never really felt like I fitted in there um and and then yeah that's one of the reasons why I never did it I didn't want to do it in my uh 20s yeah because um we talk about this a lot on the show of this idea of um being reflected in the in the profession 
um, and how important that representation piece is for people of minority populations or, or people that aren't um, reflected in the in the profession pr uh, traditionally. Um, so do you feel like that issue of representation was a pretty big deal for you growing up? Um, and how did you kind of come back into this world of classical music again? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think, I didn't think about it so much while I was actually growing up, while mm. I was actually in my teens doing it. It wasn't something that I necessarily thought about. It was just something that was sort of intrinsically there. And yeah. there was just something a little bit off about it. And it didn't really quite manage to process it until I was an adult. I could start thinking through and think like, well, why didn't I want to get involved in this? Why didn't this feel like a safe space? And why didn't I want to carry on with it? And then you kind of get into this, it's like, well, actually, what, why would I want to do this? There's no one like me. There's no one like me playing music. There's no one like me writing music. And it, it really matters to be able to see someone that you can emulate, you know, when you're a child and to have a role model that looks like you and saying, this is me and I'm doing this as well. And it's not that there's a lack of them because God knows there's hundreds of black composers, hundreds of female composers throughout history that, you know, we could be seeing, but we're not seeing enough of. So yeah, I, I really didn't want to be in that world for so just the racism, the sexism, the classism, elitism, just everything about it was just saying you don't you don't want to be here. So I didn't. And then so I didn't. I spent all my 20s doing various other things and exploring lots of other incredible music. Um, I'm very fond of pretty much most music in the world, pop, jazz, folk. Uh, you name it I pretty much listened to it <laughs> and then I was 30 um nearly 31 and I discovered my first female composer quite by chance I just happened to be at SoftBank doing some uh casual work and I had my first female composer and I was just stunned that there actually were female composers and I was like why 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 have I never heard of this before and I immediately went looking for all the brilliant female composers and just, and then the first one that hit me was Florence Price. And then I was listening to Clara Schumann and Galina Svolskaya and Franca Jessica Caccini and Mariana Martinez and Liu Zhuang and Jean Hu Guang and uh, Zenobia Pal Perry and just all these incredible, incredible people mm -hmm. uh, that I'd never heard about while I was studying and it was just infuriating I'm like why didn't I never study these people so yeah. I decided that the best way to uh champion them uh, which I knew I wanted to do I knew I wanted to champion them in some way the best way to do it was actually to create change to create a space oh absolutely yeah um, absolutely and I think that's amazing that you have you've taken that issue that you've seen and you did something about it, right? And you created that space. Um, and, I, and I want to get into that in a second, but I also wanted to make note that like your experience of not seeing yourself reflected in the profession is something that's extremely common. Um, I had the same sort of experience. I was not playing works by female composers uh, pretty much ever. I think I played my first work by a female composer when I was in college. Um, and like you, I didn't really 
think of it being as a major issue until I was much older when I was like, you know, in my late teens, early twenties. Um, I really didn't notice that too much growing up. I think, like you said, it's so, um, intrinsic at that point And you're in that environment constantly that you don't really question it because you aren't really aware that there are other people out there that are composing, um, and, and you're right, there are hundreds of them, right? <laughs> Probably thousands yeah. at this point. Um, um, and you're not quite aware of that when you're growing up. You just kind of think, okay, this is the norm. Um, I play my instrument and I'm just going to go through the program. And you don't really start to question those things until you're much older. And now that when I think back on those experiences that I had, I realize how much of a major problem that was. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. You're sort of only taught the great composers and there are that Beethoven, Bach, Mozart and Schubert and Tchaikovsky and just all listening to White Mouse and you're just like how can this not make how does this not click with people that the only people that were playing are white men mm-hmm. like it doesn't make sense but then when you're a child this is what you're just you're just drummed into this all the music you're playing and every time you do a grade it's the same composer over and over and over again so yeah yeah it's kind of drummed in yeah exactly and I feel like you know, as a person who is a music educator now, I think a lot of teachers are very comfortable teaching the way that they were taught. And then this kind of creates this constant cycle of, well, this is how I was taught. So I'm going to teach this to my students instead of changing the narrative. It's kind of this cyclical thing that just keeps happening over and over again, where we keep teaching the same people because we were taught that those are the people of value and that others aren't valued. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And when really, you know, music in general is very subjective, just because you think something is of value doesn't mean the next person's not going to think that way or have a differing opinion. And we kind of teach kids from a young age that there is this system of value there of determining what is quote unquote good music and what is Mm -hmm. not when that's just not the case. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the sort of the hardest things for me is to reconcile that with the Simple value that I grew up with that you have to like Mozart and one of the things for me is being able to neuro but just find my own way in it because there's a lot of the canon uh current canon I should say let's hope it's not going to be always this way but a lot of the current canon I really don't like like I really don't like Mozart I, I just I never have um mm-hmm. and I'm just like, you know what, that's okay. I can appreciate that other people do and they find value in his music and that's fine. And I, I, I just don't. But then, mm-hmm. I, and I listen to Florence Price and her music completely blows me away. And every time I listen to it, I fall in love and it's just incredible. So there's so much other music out there. And I think, yes, yeah, sticking to the sort of objective fact, just, it's one of the things that turns me off about classical music that this is, that's, one of the problems I found with it that this is correct and I'm like well actually a lot of it didn't gel for me like I still like okay what do I still like uh Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker uh the Hebrides uh but yeah never particularly cared for Swan Lake um so and these are all the songs we've taught that you have to like and this is the best classical music this is the best music and if you don't like it I think it's another way of turning people off to something because you're saying well if if you don't like it there's something wrong with you there's something that you're not getting about this it's like nope I just don't happen to like it I get that other people do but I don't and that's fine 
And I, and I feel like this, this value system that we kind of put on, you know, the classical music tradition also doesn't help people that are writing music currently. Um, I feel like there's also that sort of attitude towards new music um, and people looking down on that because, you know, this person is quote unquote, not the next Beethoven, but why are we valuing Beethoven over someone else that's writing today, right? Like, why are we valuing traditions that are hundreds of years old over what we're trying to create in our current culture, right? This value system doesn't quite make sense to me when you sit there and you really think about it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Especially as you get further, further into the future, you know, we're getting, we're receding, these composers are receding further and further into the past. And what was going to happen in 50 years, 100 times, we're still just going to be talking about Beethoven. And yet all the <laughs> composers that are composing right now, Adolphus Helsorg, Sally Beamish, Chen Yi, you know, they're just as important, just as incredible, and just as worthy of being remembered. Absolutely. So, so you kind of saw this need, right? You saw this sort of hole in our profession. So you created the Daffodil Perspective, which is your radio show. So can you talk a little bit about what kind of inspired you to create this um, radio show and what the concept is behind that? So the, like I say, yeah, the original inspiration was, was just creating a space for female composers. And I did lots of hospital radio and various other voluntary radio shows in the past and so I thought it was the best way to actually create change instead of writing something instead of just talking about it so um, I wanted to be inspired to actually create create a space um, which was originally just about creating some gender balance really it was just about female composers and Originally, it was really quite, um, I will say, it was very uh, racially biased. It was very racist. There were hardly, apart from Florence Price, who's my favourite composer of all time, um, it was pretty much a hot, vastly white, female, white, male-dominated, yeah. um, and which was a problem, obviously. But, you know, uh, I had to start somewhere, so it started just being about female composers and I wanted to do something that was, like I said, gender balance. I didn't want to just do something with women. I wanted so this, how easy it is to include all people of all genders, you know, uh, not have just one or the other. I had this sort of concept of women's music, you know, it's only a value on International Women's Day. It's like, nope, this is music that stands up with all this other music that we know and it's all great. So yeah. we should be doing it this how we do it. So that was the original thing, but obviously it's it's evolved quite a bit since then. So now it's uh 50% female composers, um 25% uh, half of the female composers are women of color, including at least one black female and one Asian female composer on every single show, and 25% male composers of color as well. Um again, what at least one black male composer and one Asian male composer. Um, so that's kind of the main thing, just creating as much diversity um, as possible. Um, not enough people of various other gender identities yet, and mm -hmm. only a couple so far, which is something I will be working on and addressing. Um, so there's that, um, but it's something I'm aware of and seeking to get more of. So yeah, no, that's, the way that's excellent. No, seriously, because, it, you know, like you said, you all, you have to start from somewhere. And what I really love about the way you set up your, 
your website for um, the Daffodil Perspective, which I will make sure that I include the link um, to that when the episode comes out for everyone to check out. When you go to the radio show page, you're very open about your statistics for the show and your inclusion quotas as well. So you can actively see where that representation piece is with your show. So you're giving us like the hardcore data um, for this, which I really appreciate because that's very open, very honest, and very easy to see um, what number and airtime all these um, various composers of different demographics are getting on your show. I think it's awesome. Brilliant. Yeah, that's thank you for that. Because that's exactly what I want to do with the show, be open and honest and transparent about everything. So one of the problems that I've constantly been finding that there aren't enough statistics, people aren't reporting about this, and especially when it comes to race, because actually in England, I mean, the statistics for fe- white female composers are appalling. As uh, Don Women in Music surveys seen the last couple of years, uh, couple of years it's just been it's about two percent of worldwide orchestras but if you did it for race I mean there's no point even doing it because it's infinitesimal uh, it's got better obviously since Black Lives Matter I say better but it's not it's the statistics stones testly small and one of the problems is that there's no there's no accountability there's no transparency there's no there's no data so you have no idea what what to work on what is what if anything is doing well what needs to be improved and where where well where can we create change and so that's the that for me is the most important thing to be able to say look this 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 is all that's being played this is how easy it is to do um hopefully hopefully to inspire some more people actually apart from um that's what I really want to do to be able to say, look, look, this is all the music that's being played. These are the hundreds of composers that are being played. So it's not that there's a lack of them. It's not that there's not any good ones. You know, this is all stuff that's there. And this is a radio show. So pretty much 95, 98% of the stuff that I'm playing is commercially recorded. Yeah. So it's all easily available. So yeah. So like, don't be, don't be scared. This is all out there. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And also what I, I, I love too is you're really establishing where that equality piece is as well, like with the number of um, times they're featured or the airtime or whatever. And you're not doing that little tokenism thing that a lot of organizations do where they're like, okay, here's our concert program. And we have that one piece that we're doing that features a female composer. We have that one piece we're doing that features a composer of color. And it's very like starkly in your face of, yeah, mm-hmm. this is like the token piece that we're doing. You're giving them that equitable and that equal um, airtime as well, which I think is awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah, one of that's one of the biggest things that none of nothing I do is tokenistic. Everything I do is inclusive. It's never exceptionalized, never tokenized. The only reason I don't play more, um, I often do play more uh, black male composers, but the only reason it has at least one is because I only do a ninety-minute show every two weeks, so I can't yeah. fit in more. If it was a if it was a three-hour show, trust me, there'd be a lot more. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's so great. Um, and so I was just checking out uh, kind of your like latest episodes and that sort of thing. So can you walk us a little bit through of some of the things you like to cover um, on your show, maybe some um, themes you like to hit or that sort of thing? I know your latest episode has to do with symphonic video game music and that sort of thing. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe your process of, you know, how do you select music and kind of make it into an episode? Mm, 
Ooh, giving away trade secrets. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, again, that's kind of changed a lot. Because, again, I was mostly... I used to do this section called History Rewritten, which was telling the story of one female composer and mixing it in with the famous male com- contemporaries that are sort of much more familiar. And mm-hmm. telling a story there, I'm quite... I'm, I'm very into storytelling. I think that's really important uh, to make it interesting and engaging. Um, and I do a lot of albums. Uh, I used to do sort of lots of albums of the week and then a contemporary, I had a sort of contemporary corner when I was playing one contemporary piece, but now I play like a third of contemporary music on the show. Uh, but yeah, it kind of evolves. I tend to do work with segments. Um, I do like doing, I've just finished doing the eighth set of contemporary composers. Um, I kind of started doing that. I ended up, I just kind of started that last year. I just ended up playing Lyra Auerbach and Thomas Addis. And then I thought, okay, I've just started with two A's. I might as well do, make this into a thing. So yeah, it just, it, it varies. Um, there's some fun in video game music. It was the first time I concentrated on video game music, which was really cool. But mm-hmm. I, I do like to do a few pieces that are connected in some way, uh, some kind of themes. Um, Mostly I keep it like, I kind of I keep the show quite positive. I tend not to include too much uh, social um, uh, commentary, not too much. Um, although yeah, you could get, um, there's a um, certain amount of um, uh, wry humor in there, but <laughs> I, can, I keep it light uh, as much as I can. Um, so yeah, trying to yeah tell, tell interesting stories about people, especially, the way they're all co- connected, I think that's really engaging, especially yeah. when you can kind of connect it to people composers that you currently know and saying, well, like, actually, they knew this composer who was equally brilliant. Um, so there's a quite a lot of focusing on female composers there and quite a lot of albums. And sometimes it's just whatever I'm feeling like at the time. <laughs> like, um, um, and then sometimes I'll just have an idea, like uh, to that not last show, the show before, I realised I hadn't played any music about daffodils, so I thought, let's just do some music about daffodils. So yeah, <laughs> so yeah, sometimes a lot of it does fit into structure, but then sometimes it's just it's just nice to play, throw in some fun pieces, just just for the hell of it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you you briefly mentioned um, your her, her story rewritten project, um, which is another aspect of your website. If you want to check it out, um, in yourself publishing a book on female composers. So I want you to be able to plug this to see if anybody wants to donate to your project and that sort of thing. So can you talk a little bit about this project? Uh, yeah. So like I say, so most of the whole first year of the show, um, the first half of the show was me telling a story of female. Com- composers and it was mm-hmm. quite in depth and quite uh mostly biography so I thought I should really make this into a book and people kept saying to me you should write you should write a book you should you know so much about female composers you should do it and so I'm finally doing it um basically yeah adapting the transcripts so from the show um into a book um about that so it'll be the stories of 35 I think 35 uh, incredible female composers for, from 16th century Francesca Caccini, who was the first known woman to write an opera, uh, which is incredible, to the 20th century Galina Svotskaya, a voice from the Black Hole of Leningrad, utterly incredible woman, extraordinary composer, and everyone in routine, Marina Martinez, Clara Schumann, 
uh, <clears throat> Ruth Gibbs, um, got lots of incredible, incredible women in there, all trailblazers and innovators and rebels and just just remarkable women. So yeah, um, I am so I'm self-publishing it. So I'm raising the funds at the moment. Uh, there is a GoFundMe campaign, uh, which is probably just the Daffodil perspective. Uh, so yes, um, if you have the link, uh, go there. And yeah, you can get a copy uh, uh, if you uh, donate along with some other things that I'll be doing. I'm hoping that I will probably be publishing it uh, probably International Women's Day next year. We'll oh, that's awesome. While. Um, but yes, uh, please uh, support this. And yes, so we can get all these stories out and then more people can find out about all these women and there'll be information about some of their pieces and some albums so it just make it really easy for people to for people to start programming them and recording them and playing them yeah i mean and the first step is getting that knowledge out there so i, I love that you're taking on this project so um again i'm going to include the link to the daffodil perspectives website um along with this episode and so everybody should go check out the her story rewritten tab um because the link to donate um to the project is also there under um that page as well so everybody should definitely check that out and also another part of your website, you um, talk a little bit about some of the services you offer as part of your um, sort of professional world in that sort of thing. So um, consultancy and guest speaking, those sorts of things. So can you talk a little bit about some of those services you offer, you know, in association with the um, radio show? Uh, yes. So uh, as a, I've been doing the show, I'm a uh an expert on diverse classical repertoire, female composers and male composers of color uh, from all over the world. So uh, if you're looking for consultancy, if you need help uh, finding them all, uh, I've already done all the hard work. So, uh, and I know lots of them. So if you're looking to play them, program them, record them, uh, I can assist and I do that as consultancy and I do guest speaking as well. Um, and yeah, if you just, anything to do with uh, female composers, uh, I can assist with. But yes, please uh, check out the website and contact me for more information. And another uh, part of your website also is a blog as well. And you, you talk a little bit about, you know, the lack of diversity in classical music. You also put more information out there, like um, letting people know about, um, different sort of composers historically as well as um modern day composers and that sort of thing so can you talk a little bit about maybe um some of your blog posts or maybe like maybe some things that kind of stick out to you when you think about your blog that you think um our audience should know uh okay interesting yeah so my blog yeah it tends to be more politically minded i think that's the best word yeah my radio show i try and keep it light whereas my blog is much more of um I'm trying to think of a, a diplomatic word. Uh, yeah, it's it's um, uh, much more bold, uh, much yeah. bolder in the phone. Uh, yeah, I talk about, about everything. Often it's a reaction to whatever issue is sort of going on in the classical music world at the time, whenever some posts something about uh, the lack of um, uh, why composers like to uh, talk uh whenever there's an issue 
I feel that I need to raise and my show isn't really the platform to do it in. It's just about composing their pieces and interesting things they did. Whereas the blog is much, um, much more about social justice really. So yeah, like the last one idea was about where are the Asian female composers? Because uh, there's been a lot of talk recently about black composers, rightly so. Uh, they're marginalized and there's been horrific racism. Um, but um, actually there are even possibly even fewer Asian composers being played, especially historical ones. So mm -hmm. kind of highlighted a few and talked about the various issues, getting them out there. Um, I have to look at my website. Yeah, so yeah, talked about various different things on the website. Uh, 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 my, uh, I did. A, I was quite pleased actually. Uh, one of the things actually I did uh, on Piano Day, twenty uh, ninth of March, I um, shouted out five pianists. Uh, that I'm absolutely crazy about because usually I talk about composers on the show, and even though I talk about musicians in relation it's never specifically about the musicians themselves usually and I kind of wanted to do that so I talked about pianists uh talk about the exceptionalizing of Florence Price various different things um but yeah I just feel that should need to be said yeah oh absolutely I, I really found your post about um gender equity or white supremacy super interesting um that's something that we also talk about um a lot about on here is like the women's movement and how it caters to white women more so than other demographics. And so, you know, when we talk about things like feminism, how it doesn't always include intersectionality, um, especially in classical music. So I really did appreciate that you are tackling those issues um, as well. And then also with the, um, the Where Are All the Asian Composers um, piece, I really liked how you kind of spun it with the focus of Asian representation in the UK and the US, and not just from an Eastern perspective, you looked at it from a Western perspective, because I think a lot of times people in their biases think that even modern Asian composers are going to be coming from an Eastern sort of influence and an Eastern perspective. And that's not the case, right? We live in a modern world. Um, there are <laughs> Asian composers that are from the West um, mm -hmm. and that there is that lack of representation there and a lack of their, their music being performed. So I did really appreciate that you were tackling those issues from that perspective as well. Oh, thank you. Uh, just go back to the gender equity or white supremacy. Uh, so I reposted that. I, that, she, that was a, a commission article I wrote for I Care If You Listen. Mm -hmm. um, so the, uh, that's the, where the original article is. Um, yeah. So I just posted a link to that. Um, but yeah, that was an article I wrote uh, for Fantastic I Care If You Listen, uh, which was really great. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely something I feel really strongly about. And um, one of the sort of problems is when, as a mixed race woman, I get both racism and sexism, and it's not, the bias is completely compounded. Um, and it, it's much, it's a lot more difficult, especially in the UK, uh, where it's not as open. It, the concept of race is not necessarily as openly acknowledged. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't really speak from a UK perspective because I am obviously an American, but um, even here, I, I think the dialogue hasn't quite been where it needs to be until recent years and recent events. Um, people have started to have those conversations. 
as well. So I, I do think those conversations are needed. And I, I think, you know, no matter where you're from, your website is definitely an excellent resource um, for those that are interested in learning more about these issues as well. Um, and speaking of which, um, we kind of touched a little bit on how we can support some of your projects, including like her story and rewritten and things like that. Um, but how can, um, if those uh, people are interested in, you know, contacting you or, or further supporting your work, how can um, folks do that? Uh, so contacting me, uh, just, yeah, either just there's a contact page on my website, uh, email me. So yeah, happy to hear from you. Um, and then there's the various pages at the bottom with the services um, you can click if you're interested in a particular course. I've got some specific courses uh, for various instruments in various countries and various areas uh, if you're interested in specific uh, parts of uh, female composer repertoire and uh, male composer color actually as well. Um, so you can contact me through there and I have a little support page. So if you don't, if you, um, are really nice and don't want to donate and get a book uh, for a book and just help help me out because uh, yeah the show is uh it's good but it's voluntary so it costs um about a thousand pounds a year to run so it is quite expensive it's um but I think it needs to be out there uh, so yeah so you can support it with like PayPal donations and stuff and yeah those just contact me and yeah awesome. connect. And you also have a Facebook page and a Twitter page um, for the radio show as well. So everybody should check that out. Give it a like, give it a follow um, and all those sorts of good things as well. Get the word out. Um, but my, my last question for you is um, what are your you know future goals for your professional life and your advocacy work? I know you had mentioned you're working on expanding um, the radio show to include even more diverse representation of people, but what are your other um, goals with some of your professional projects? So uh, I hope to write more, I think. So I've already got my next uh, books. Uh, my transcripts are going to be mostly white female composers. So um, I want to have a, a second book, uh, which I think I'll try and start next year. So that's uh, what I'm working on. And um, if uh, actually, if you're listening to the show and want to sponsor the show, um, I'm definitely looking for sponsors. Uh, that would be really cool if we could uh, connect in some way about that. Um, so that's mainly what I'm interested in. Uh, I'm just going to be focusing on creating uh, a better show, uh, writing more, and uh, creating more books about uh, com composers uh, to get more more resources out there. Because I think so. So many people just don't know where to start. And, and it is really difficult when you only know white male composers. So I think that's gonna be my main concentration, just making it as easy as possible to have easy resources for people. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. And just, yeah, gonna keep, keep championing, uh, keep creating space for everyone to belong, keep creating change and uh, keep, just keep promoting awesome music. Pretty much, I, honestly, all the music I play on the show, I absolutely love, and I think you will do. So yeah, check out the show because it's just, it's just lots of awesome music. Yeah, I love it. Um, I want to thank you so much uh, for giving us your time and for sharing your awesome resources. I, I really think everyone should check it out because you're doing some wonderful work um, to create a more possibly music diverse world. Um, and I really appreciate you taking your time and sharing your awesome resources. 
well thank you Cassie it's been lovely to talk to you and thanks for all your brilliant questions uh it's been uh, such a pleasure to talk to you on your podcast uh congratulations it's fantastic and um, so yeah uh good so night